business and union set themselves for a fight over multi-employer bargaining deals in what could be the biggest change to industrial relations in decades. The spring selling season kicks off with a whimper and Apple achieves 50% market share in the US for the first time. It's Monday, the 5th of September, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Did you enjoy your weekend? Did you get spoiled by your children? I tell you what, Sean, I had a a fantastic weekend. And I got yesterday for Father's Day a, from the Father's Day stall at primary school, (laughs) I got got a mug that says Dad on the side of it. And I reckon it is just the best present I've ever received. I'm still chuffed about it. It's just, you know, that anything that's picked by a five-year-old, it's got a lot of meaning behind it. And I love it. I went for. The, I got the more traditional Father's Day present. My kids are a bit older than yours. You know what does every father need on Father's Day? And I'm not talking clothing because I didn't get any ties or shirts. Fortunately, no socks. Uh, no, 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 no socks. Thank God. In fact, you know, you get socks. The kids just borrow them anyway and borrow them. They're probably being generous <laughs> to take them anyway. Now I got a barbecue, a new barbecue. Did you? Which is a very fatherly sort of present. Oh, that is fantastic. Mm. And oh, I mean, and that's a great, I mean, we've talked about it before. There are a lot of kids at your house. There and are. so this is a present that everyone is going to benefit from. Will they use it though? That's the question. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> they've done their duty. They've given it to you and now you cook for them. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's the way it works, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, no. Anyway, look, great weekend all around by the sounds of it. Big week coming up though too. Sure have. We've got Lots of economics, lots of corporate news. It'll be fun. Yeah, indeed. And we've got an interesting chat coming up with Roger Montgomery, one of our kind of regular guests from Montgomery Investment Management. That's right. We talk all about the earnings season, which has just finished what he thought of it and how he views the market at the moment, what people who are investing should be thinking about. Yeah, that's a really good one. It's coming up a little bit later on. The main story this morning, though, Sean, get ready for weeks and months of debate about multi-employer bargaining. That is a term that we are going to be hearing an awful lot with business leaders, including Alan Joyce from Qantas and Woolworths' Brad Banducci, warning that it could swing the balance too much towards employees while the government has pretty much dismissed the naysayers. Multi-employer bargaining, if enacted, Michael, is probably the most fundamental change to the industrial relations system as a result of the Jobs and Skills Summit. Basically, it means workers or a union can engage in bargaining with multiple employers. It's exactly as it sounds, but this is really significant. For example, a union can negotiate with both Coles and Woolworths at the same time. A concern from employers is that it gives too much power to the negotiating party. That might be the union, for example, and that can effectively close an industry if there's an industrial dispute. So in the Coles and Woolworths example, if the Shop Distributors Association are negotiating with the employers of Coles and Woolworths, they can all go out on industrial action at the same time. And that really worries employers. Qantas's Alan Joyce said the idea of industry-wide bargaining had been left behind a long time ago in Australia for good reason. Woolworths Chief Executive Brad Banducci warned that multi-employer bargaining could reduce productivity for retailers. The Business Council of Australia President Tim Reid said he wanted guarantees that multi-employer bargaining will be opt-in and said more detail is needed on how it would work. That opt-in part is going to be, we're going to hear plenty about that in the next few months, whether employers can opt in or whether they're forced to do it. But over the weekend, the government was out and about and different representatives lauding the success of the summit and also very much 
lauding the idea of this multi-employer bargaining. Yeah, and Sean, the Jobs and Skills Summit also made some announcements which should alleviate the skills shortages, at least in the short term. Yeah, there's general agreement among business and unions and government that some of the announcements will actually help things in the next 12 months or so. One of the big ones on Friday was the $4,000 work bonus income bank credit, which basically means pensioners can earn more before their payments are reduced. That should help. There was also an increase in the permanent migration ceiling to 195000 for this financial year at least. There'll be extra places for skilled migrants in tech, in healthcare and in infrastructure. Everyone seemed to be welcoming of that. Overall, Sean, I think from the kind of commentary over the weekend and kind of the the response from some of the attendees, it seemed like a success. Yes, though, of course, only time will tell, really. Across the two days, apart from what I've already talked about, there was more money for TAFE, a commitment to modernise workplace relations, improved training and pathways for women and regional workers and more digital apprenticeships. A decision was made to extend visas and relax work restrictions on international students and to supply more money to resolve the visa backlog. In fact, Treasurer Jim Chalmers on Friday said there were 36 concrete outcomes from the summit. Now I suspect the hard work really begins. Indeed it does. All right, how did the local market finish on Friday? S&P ASX 200 finished the day down 0.3% to 6,829 points, ending the worst week for the market since mid-June. For the five sessions, the bourse was off nearly 4%. On Friday, the materials sector led the market lower on the back of concerns about demand for iron ore out of China. Another major city in that country has gone into lockdown due to COVID. Fortescue and Rio Tinto were both down 2.4%, while BHP was off nearly 2%. Tech stocks also came under pressure, with Tyro payments off nearly 10%. Wise Tech's been the best of tech stocks recently, but on Friday it dropped more than 2%. The banks did pretty well, with all the big four plus Macquarie Group rising. Best of the day was Life360, up more than 6%. Now, the tracking companies had a much better run during the past couple of months. In fact, it's almost doubled. In fact, it has doubled since late June. And how about international markets? I know it's uh, the Labor Day long weekend in the US. Yeah, look, Wall Street fell another 1% over the weekend. It came after figures showed a jump in the US unemployment rate to 3.7%. That's the first increase in January. More exciting, Michael, I know you love the bond market. Oh, I certainly do. So basically, global bonds have slumped into their first bear market in a generation. The Bloomberg Global Aggregate Total Return Index of Government and Investment Grade Corporate Bonds, did you get that? That's quite the name. That's a, that's a name that might need a little bit of kind of spicing up, I think. Yes, perhaps, perhaps. It's basically the index of the corporate and government bonds. So that has fallen more than 20% below its 2021 peak, which is a definition of a bear market. And that's the worst since about 1990. Now, central banks have been pushing expectations of further rate rises. When rates rise, returns from these fixed rate bonds become less attractive they get sold off, they're off 20%, hence a bear market. There you go. Finally, Michael, the Aussie dollar is trading back above 68 US cents. All right, plenty happening. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, it was the first weekend of spring, which is traditionally the busiest season of the year for the housing market. But it started with a bit of a whimper, really, didn't it? Yes, particularly in Sydney, where nearly one in four vendors withdrew their homes from auction. With the Reserve Bank tipped to increase the official cash rate by 50 basis points tomorrow, and mortgage rates expected to rise by a similar amount in following days, it's unlikely to be a great spring 
for the market. The preliminary national auction clearance trade over the weekend was okay, 62%, but there were 10% fewer houses for sale than a week earlier. Normally in spring selling, that's when you get all the houses coming onto the market. Not the case. Melbourne's clearance rate was pretty good, nearly 65%. Sydney was at 60%. Adelaide continues to be the best performing capital city at 70%, while Brisbane hit 53%. Doesn't sound real good, but it's actually a lot better than the 40% or so we've seen in recent weeks. One in four withdrawing their homes from from auction. That's, that's, That's a lot. I mean, a few years ago, we when we were trying to sell a place uh, at auction, the one thing worse than withdraw- <laughs> withdrawing your property before auction is going to auction and not getting a single bid, uh, yes. which is just demoralizing. That is yep. so it's an interesting time in the property market. Yeah, sure is. I mean, the next three months will be really, really fascinating to watch to see exactly how far local house prices fall. Yeah, absolutely. It is, as you mentioned earlier, Sean, a massive week for the economy with the Reserve Bank of Australia expected to lift interest rates tomorrow. And then the next day, we've got the official economic growth figures for the June quarter being released. That's right. Now, the question really is about how much the Reserve Bank will lift the official cash rate. We've had plenty of economic indicators in recent weeks and market economists have been diligently beavering away to come up with their forecast for GDP. Put those two together, ANZ expects a 50 basis point lift in interest rates. That seems to be the consensus view now. And then on Wednesday, the June quarter GDP, according to ANZ, will come in at 0.8%. That would put the annual growth rate at 3.2%. Commonwealth Bank's in the same camp. Westpac's much more upbeat. It thinks the economy expanded by 2% in June, taking the annual rate to 4.5%, while National Australia Bank is a touch more pessimistic then its brethren predicting a 0.7% growth for the quarter and 32 for the year. Still pretty good all in all, given what we've been through. That's a pretty big range, isn't it, between the big four? Yeah, it's very unusual, to be honest, that Westpac is such an outlier because mostly they come in more or less about the same, but to suggest that the economy grew by 2% is certainly very, very optimistic from Westpac. All right. Prestige car maker Mercedes-Benz has been hit with a $12.5 million fine in the federal court after the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission pursued it for a lack of urgency in communicating with some customers over the recall of potentially deadly Takata airbags. Yes, the Takata airbags made by a Japanese group have been the subject of a worldwide recall across many car brands since 2014. According to the Financial Review, the federal court ordered Mercedes-Benz Australia Pacific to pay penalties of $12.5 million for failing to use attention-capturing high-impact language when communicating with just 27 consumers, that's it, about the compulsory recall of the airbags. $12.5 million for poor communications to just 27 buyers. Wow. All right. How about this one, Sean? Crypto.com, which is the the digital currency app that's been advertising heavily in Australia, has accidentally (laughs) refunded a Melbourne woman $7 million rather than the $70 that she was owed. Yes. Apparently, the woman has already spent some of it, including on a $1.35 million home. There you go. According to Bloomberg, the firm discovered during an audit in December that it had made an error in processing a $100, that's a 100 Aussie dollar, refund seven months earlier. That's according to court documents. An account number had been accidentally entered in the payment amount field. Hence the accident. 
Now, Victoria's Supreme Court has ordered the home, which was bought by the woman's sister, be sold and the money returned to the company, though it is still in court. What Could you imagine the poor person that had to admit? Sorry, I put the number in the wrong spot and we gave a 7 million US, not 70. Oh my God, I guess that's why you double check before you hit transfer payment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. All right, moving on to overseas news now and British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss is expected to be unveiled as the country's next Prime Minister tonight after a seven-week contest against former Chancellor Rishi Sunak. Opinion polls for the party's 160,000-plus members have consistently given Ms Truss a substantial lead, with members very much supporting her promises of tax cuts. If she's proclaimed the victor, the 47-year-old Ms Truss will head to Balmoral Castle in Scotland to visit the Queen. That'll probably happen tomorrow. Uh, That'll be just after her predecessor, Boris Johnson, remember him? Hmm. (laughs) Hands in his resignation. She'll then move straight into Downing Street. It's funny, we sort of, I forgot that the UK doesn't actually have a functioning Prime Minister, but probably by Wednesday they will, and it will be Liz Truss. Seven weeks is a long time for a country to be in limbo, isn't it? Sure is, and particularly when so much is going on in the economy, because Europe is a mess at the moment and probably heading into recession like the UK, and not having someone running it is a real problem. Yeah, sure is. Now, you mentioned this one at the top of the show, Sean. Apple has overtaken Android devices to account for more than half of smartphones used in the US, just as the tech giant is pushing into sectors including finance and healthcare. Yes, it just shows its incredible market power in tech, obviously, but then that will allow it to enter those other sectors. The 50% mark is the iPhone's highest share since it launched in 2007, according to data from CounterPoint Research. About 150 devices use Google's Android operating system. Samsung and Lenovo are the two big ones. They're up against the Apple system, and quite incredibly, Apple is actually bigger. A research director at CounterPoint said over the past four years, the flow has consistently been from Android to iOS. There you go. There we go. And China has extended its lockdown in districts of western megacity Chengdu and ordered more mass testing as it tries to contain a COVID outbreak. People have been ordered home and the city's in lockdown. Chengdu is the country's sixth largest city and the first major city to be closed off since Shanghai shut down on June 1. Now, I've got to remember, China reported nearly 1,700 new cases on Saturday That's not many by Australian standards, but certainly by Chinese standards, when it's going for zero, it's a lot, hence the shutdown. Yeah, it sure is. Now, up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview, and your guest today is Roger Montgomery from Montgomery Investment Management. That's right. All about investing in the local market post the earnings season. Roger runs through what he liked, what he didn't like, and what he's thinking about when he's investing. It's a great chat. We've got some good listening as well today because uh, Stephen Kukoulos, our resident economist, is back again for the week ahead and a very big week in economics. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's dominated by the Reserve Bank tomorrow and the economic growth figures on Wednesday. That will really give us a, a pointer to what's going to happen over the next six months or so. And also just a quick little shout out to our weekend edition 
which was released, as the name would suggest, on the weekend, where uh, where, where you and, and me and our fear and greed colleague, Adam Lang, take a, a look at kind of the big stories from the, the last week. If you're one of the listeners who has been missing Safe Word, which is our lighter look at, at business news, the weekend edition is probably the closest thing you're going to get. So maybe <laughs> maybe pop that one onto the playlist as well. Excellent idea. That's all coming up in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Monday, the 5th of September, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online as well on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.